Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. Who are still drunk from the first podcast they recorded in the day. Madam Pranica. <laughs> oh man, nearly slurred that. That was fun. <laughs> I'm Ben Harrison. <laughs> this is truly uncharted territory, Ben, because we finish every show with kind of a lottery system. A lottery system that tells us... If the next show we record is going to be a drunk episode, but the thing is, the problem with this rule, Ben, is that we typically record two a day. Yeah. And so, if the first episode hits that lottery, you really get two for the price of one, don't you? Yeah, you get two for the price of one, and if this is the first time you've ever tuned in to The Greatest Generation, I think I speak for both of us when I say we're sorry. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, one of the things I wanted to do for our, our Marin Open, Ben, was tent to this giant box that's been on my desk. Ew. We got mail at our mail stop, and uh, I kind of want to open it. Open that fucker up. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Can you hear the liquid? <laughs> it's clearly a box of liquid. Pos- plausibly liquidy, Adam. Ben, what we have are two packages from Philip E. from Henrico, Virginia. I'm going to start with the small one. The smaller of the two. This is in a Wait, so he sent envelope. two different boxes? He sent a box that is roughly one by one by one. And then a padded envelope. Huh. Wow. And I'm opening the padded envelope now. I'm going to need a tool for this. <laughs> Adam, you don't have a Swiss Army knife in your pocket, as I always do, 100% of the time? 100 out of 100, really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. No, that's All, not me. Always rolling with the Swiss Army knife. In f- I, I am so committed to rolling with the Swiss Army knife that I have a foolproof method for sneaking a Swiss Army knife past TSA that I have never gotten caught. You keystring that knife, Ben? Up, uh, up the Potom? No, up I just the put Potomac it, River? I put it in my bag in a, in a particular way, and, uh, you know, if they, if, if they ask me a question about it, I will dig it out and give it to them, but uh, they never have not even a single time. Ben. What? Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. I have the Bible now. What we have received from Philip is the Star Trek DS9 Bible. Whoa! Not only do we have the Bible, but we have the Star Trek Deep Space Nine Companion, which is like a role-playing game book-sized <laughs> book. It is, it is really big. And it looks like it goes episode by episode. It's got wow. Uh, it's got behind the scenes pictures. It's got schematics. It's really something. Damn. This is the whole thing. Fucking a. Fucking well, a. 
I never, I never thought I'd have a Bible again in my possession, and here we are. I tell you what I'd do with a million dollars, man. <laughs> Deep Space Nine podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Two podcasts in the same week. That's what I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other box got? <laughs> I'm opening that box, man. Figured the type of podcast that would like a guy like me. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, we get a letter on tap, Ben. Philip writes, Thank you for unburdening me of these things. Strangely, my wife didn't ask me where I was sending them. Sorry to pass along the curse of packaging peanuts. Kind of like the curse in It Follows, but with less sex and more death. (laughs) Looks like there's Romulan Ales... Panini stickers, Hoot, cards, collectible action marbles, the Bible, the companion. That's what's in the box. Oh man! So we've got uh, we've got action marbles. Those are those are on top. These action marbles are actually pretty badass. Package of five. There does not appear to be. Uh, what's the big marble? Is, it the, is that the slammer? What's the when you're playing marbles? That's a that's a pog term. Slammer. Oh, I got that wrong, then. I've always thought of myself as being the big marble, so I guess you could call it the Ben? <laughs> yeah, the the one single marble. That would be you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We've got uh, we've got some cards in here. Now that you're settled, Ben, some of this mail's got to go to you. Yeah. Uh, you, you and your wife recently uh, came and visited me and my wife here in... in sunny Los Angeles and uh, at one point we were all out and your wife confessed that you had gone through my giant Tupperware box of of uh, Star Trek paraphernalia that we've been gifted by our viewers and uh, and we were like yeah I have one of the same it's not weird for me to have that there's no shame in that no so, I mean, like, so, half the stuff in that box I intend to put up on my wall. I just haven't put anything on the walls in my apartment yet. You don't have to explain it to me. I'm not explaining it to you. I'm explaining it to your wife. It's going to be half so there full is, by the time she fucking, sees it next. There's a fucking stack of panini stickers. What is One panini of is, stickers? If a pack of stickers is phenomenologically equivalent to a pack of cards, then there does exist a natural Jaeger. In fact, (laughs) it is the most natural of Jaegers since he isn't even facing the fucking camera. And sure enough, Ben, I've got a natural Jaeger here. Whoa. There's a sticker that has Biff Jaeger in it. He is not facing the camera. His back is to the camera completely. Stack of these stickers, Ben. And uh, I have... Withdrawn a can of Romulan ale. It's so wrapped in bubble wrap, I can't even describe it to you. <laughs> Is it like uh, like one one thing that uh, we, we had the, our infamous Christmas present episode, and one one package that we didn't open on that episode that we got like a couple days after we recorded that was. You, you and I each got boxes from Plevim that were just 
full of crazy shit from his his job. We had we had a really long text thread about uh, what the gift from Flavim might have meant because because and if it was a threat or not. The biggest thing in it was a hazmat suit, and then within. Within the box also was a smaller box that said, nothing in here is toxic, I promise. Or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Philip has sent us Romulan Ale energy drink. (laughs) It's 8.4 ounces of straight niacin, Ben. (laughs) It's, uh, It's all the niacin, vitamin B6, and vitamin B12 you could want. In an energy drink, it looks like there are a number of cans in here. Uh, one of them is for you. I promise. Maybe I'll put that blue vodka that Plavim sent me into that Romulan ale. There's another bottle of something that is a much larger format. You know, Romulan ale should be illegal. Anyone picking up a radiation surge, Ben? Only the size of my head. <laughs> This is Woot Stout. Stone Farking Wheaton. It's a it's a beer. It's a beer <laughs> brewed with Will Wheaton. Whoa. Will Wheaton and Drew Curtis and Greg Coke. It's a it's a micro brew from yeah. Stone Brewing. And uh, we looks like we got a couple of these too. Ben, if you've been drinking all day the way I have a stout beer not necessarily the choice for this moment in the drinking no oh there's so many of these in the box Ben uh, <laughs> thank you for sending us this box of fun things uh, Philip we really appreciate it um, his letter closes with uh, thank you for everything you do to echo the sentiments of others before me there have been many weeks in which your show has been the thing I've most looked forward to shout out to Justin the beautiful and sweet young man who swept my little brother Matt off his feet I would call him my partner in trek shame but I don't think he's ashamed I would only ask him how he does that sincerely Philip thanks dude a energy drink taste test is forthcoming I don't oh, know. Man. Should I do that right now? You might as well. You, you're you a lot of drinks in, as far as I can tell. I, so I think it might get me up over the hump. Yeah, you need you need to put a little niacin in that little system of yours. I'm going to pour it into my now empty glass. Oh, boy. It is... Meanwhile, it is I'm almost... still drinking tequila and tonic. Ben, and I've got, I'm gonna, I've uh, gotten through my entire half bottle of Hornitos, and I've moved on to my bottle of Patron. I'm going to... Ben, I'm going to send you a picture, which may be the worst picture I've ever taken, of this Romulan ale. Uh, It is almost impossibly blue. It looks like Barbicide. What what was the color of the vodka that Plavim sent you? Also Barbicide colored. Yeah. It would actually go perfectly in this Romulan ale. I'd say put some... I, I say... Don't fuck around, Adam. Go get that Plavim vodka and put it in that Romulan ale. All right, kill some time for me, will you? Okay. Our producer is making the stretch taffy, stretch taffy hand motion 
uh, our imagined producer on this program because we don't have a producer. Uh, a funny thing happened when I went upstairs. My wife was preparing me a cocktail <laughs> because she's the greatest. Oh yeah, your wife is. Uh, your wife is really second to none, Anna. She's, she's and, one uh, of my favorite people. <laughs> she had no idea I had been drinking all afternoon for work. <laughs> And so she's like, well, I guess I'm going to put this in the fridge for you to enjoy later. All right, then. I'm going to, uh, did you get the, the picture I sent of this blue drink? I got that. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sip of it without the vodka. It's got a real frothy head on it, this blue drink. The, the head has gone down. It's, it's in its refractory period. I also uh, really appreciate that you have Elkar's coasters for your office. Yeah, I got that at I got the Elkar's coasters at the uh, at the Mopop, the Museum of Pop Culture here in Seattle. Fuck, dude. Yeah. Pretty dope. God. I want that. Got to get those coasters, bud. <sighs> That's like the ideal like branded product is is a coaster because it's it's like a, a piece of clear lucite with the L car stuff on the back of it, which is exactly how they made the L cars look in the show. You know, it's it's everything you need. It's a, it's like don't. owning a piece of the Enterprise computer. This Romulan ale is one of the better energy drink flavors I've ever had. It is most assuredly not Red Bull flavored. It does not taste like Smarties. Oh man! It mostly just tastes like. Uh, it tastes like fruit punch. That's what I it know. tastes like. Did I ever tell you about the time that Red Bull almost ruined my life? I would love to hear that story, Ben. Lay it on me. <laughs> are, are we going to have a Star Trek podcast at some point, though? I, I want to see how long we can run this Marin open. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I got hired to shoot a promo video for a technology company. And the technology that they uh, were developing was a system of costume and set-based triggers where a dancer on a stage could trigger lighting effects. So there would be like a square on the floor that they could stamp on or like a part of their costume that they could slap and the lighting would change. And the idea was that this would be great for live shows where your uh, your singing, dancing type musician would be able to like interact more more in sync with their lighting. Something you that you'd want to do uh, for the drop, right? Right, exactly. This this is this is exactly what what this would be perfect for. <laughs> and so I shot a series of promos or like or like pitch videos for this. And where we shot this was the Red Bull party space in Soho, New York. Red Bull has like a fancy loft apartment in Soho where they have like uh, secret concerts and shit. Um, and we shot for like a week in this space. Do people fly improvised uh, hand- homemade planes off of the balcony into the crowd below? <laughs> is, that a, is that a thing that they do here too? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 dozens of people have died at this. At the <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the things about like going to work every day at this space was that there was just coolers full of Red Bull that you are free to take as much of as you would like. 
And I was like, these cost like three or four dollars. I'll I'll just fill my backpack up with them at the end of the day. And like a month later, I was like serious. Like my relationship was falling apart. I wasn't. I was I was like deeply unhappy in so many ways. Like I was lashing out at life, and I was like. I, I was like looking for an explanation. I was like, you know, I've been I've been through enough therapy that I was like trying to identify the variable that changed in my life that had had triggered this series of events that were literally causing my my like backslip into a very dark place. And I realized that what had happened was that I had literally filled my fridge with Red Bull. And was drinking like two or three Red Bulls every day. <laughs> two or three? Yeah. I was really not aware of the power of the Red Bull. And I, the second I cut him out, like everything went back to normal. Really? Yeah. It was really kind of a magical situation. Wow, dude. Yeah. It's quite a confession. Well, Philip, you don't know what you did by sending all this Romulan-branded Red Bull to us. <laughs> uh, I think I might just keep the energy drink for myself and put the beer with my good friend Ben Harrison. Yeah, I can't be trusted with that type of stuff. Wow. Well, uh, I'm glad, glad it turns out that you didn't need them wings, Ben, to nah. live a happy life. I I got them built in, buddy. I'm uh, I'm now taking a drink of the beverage with the blue vodka that uh, Plavim sent us. It is uh That is a cocktail I remember from college. <laughs> <laughs> There's a I only ever drink Red Bull and vodka at a casino. Yeah, it's when I that's it has a different name there. It's called the Gambler's Delight. I don't know what you call it outside a casino when it's blue like this. Uh, uh, but it's gonna. I hope it gets me through the rest of this pod without getting a hangover, which I can feel descending upon me. Well, surrounded by 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 peanuts character stink lines of of hangover spirits. Whatever happens, Adam, please pass my apologies on to your wife. <laughs> She's the one who suffers the most for this show. Yeah. Uh, just as yours does, Ben. Yeah. Adam, do you want to get into the episode here at the 20 or so minute mark? <laughs> if there was one wish I had for this episode, it would be the children with the world singing in peace and harmony on today's episode we recap with our remaining time <laughs> season season one episode 15 if wishes were horses do you realize how incredible this is <laughs> no of course you don't well adam we start with a pretty familiar ds9 trope which is odo uh, mr bunkett harassing Quark in the bar. Enough of a trope that Quark even comments on it. There hasn't been a ship in for three days, and yet you sit there like a, a binarium hawk looking for prey. A slow week is a great context for this episode, Adam. 
It truly is. It's really, it's really the perfect episode to squeeze in the last twenty minutes of what's remaining of our podcast today. <laughs> Quark and Odo are actually like talking a little bit of shop because Odo is like. Uh, you sell hollow sweet programs to kids? I think that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, like here here I am, the law enforcement character, and I see that you have clientele in one Jake Cisco. <laughs> What's up with that? Like the idea of future space pornography is has got to be a thing that is so so incredible we can't even imagine it at this point yeah and, and jake Cisco, for the record is giving kira narice a run for her money in height of waistline jake Cisco taking a baseball bat to his hollow suite uh does nothing to disabuse odo of the idea that he might be going in there to do bad and adult things yeah <laughs> But Quark is sort of like making the case of uh, the same case that Vegas does in the 90s. Like, he's sort of rebranding his adult entertainment possibilities into a more family-friendly environment. He's like, look, I don't want, I don't want the, the nickels of just the parents. I want the latinum of the entire family. If I can get them in here into my disneylandification yeah of quark's bar and the accompanying hollow suites like great more customers the better he's all about that fast quarter fuck a slow nickel that's chump change (laughs) there's a great line in here where they're talking about what jake likes to do like with the baseball and whatnot and Quark describes Jake's baseball mitten, <laughs> which is like the beef sandwich Philadelphia of sports references, right? It really is. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Deep Space Nine really beat us to our own sense of humor, Adam. <laughs> totally. I love it. Who cleans the cum out of the hollow suites? Who's cleaning that bat? <laughs> What's that bat got on the end of it? I think you're probably just going to want to throw away the bat. <laughs> Just, Just replicate, replicate another a new bat, bat Jake. Jake. No, no, Jake, Jake, replicate a new bat. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. That bat's going straight for the incinerator. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Bashir and Dax are on a pretty hot and heavy date in which, like, in a way that is preposterously self-confident, Bashir is saying how much Dax is on his mind. I can't even concentrate. You seem to be concentrating just fine on the junior lieutenant at the reception for Captain Stadius. In some ways, I sort of admire that he's willing to just come out and say it. But on the other hand, Bashir is rebuffed constantly by Dax. Dax is not interested couldn't be any more clear. No means no, Julian. And yes means yes. I thought if one thing were clear by now, it's that you and I play things a little differently. Do you think if you had sex with Dax, you could feel the trill? <laughs> I guess it sort of depends on if you're packing that Morn style crank. <laughs> if you're packing the Morn hammer... <laughs> <laughs> then I think, then I think the ankylosaur is the nail. Yeah, if you're all up in them guts, you're gonna feel the nail. 
this viewer, if you're still hanging on, uh, <laughs> Which, this is the if episode. You're not, we that, that, don't that, blame you. We do not blame you for for skipping, like for hitting the forward thirty seconds a million times past this episode. This the is worst the episode, episode. That, gets, that gets us kicked off of Max Fun. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> We're we're sorry we ever did business with those gentlemen. <laughs> Benjamin R. Harrison and Adam Pranica do not reflect the views of Maximum Fun LLC. The values or views that we've. <laughs> 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 but Dex, um, she's able to stick this out and and really well and truly shut Julian down. She really like blows any hope he might have of hooking up with her out the airlock. Julian, you are a wonderful friend. Her strategy is great because it's one of shame, right? It's like Bashir is copping to the idea that she's the only one for him. And Dax is like, oh yeah, like this girl that I saw you sweating (laughs) and this other girl I saw you sweating big time. And Bashir has to sort of admit that he's a little bit of a whore. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. like 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 uh there's no way Dax could appreciate how special she is to Bashir because uh to Bashir uh he's he has a lot of female interests. She sees the fucking type of shit he's on. She knows that he's a a man that is all about Cherchez la femme, and she's not <laughs> about that type of shit. Dr. Bashir! <laughs> Your Cherchez la femme <laughs> is insulting to the French people! In France, we have the Vichy government! <laughs> they have many rules and regulations for what women you can and cannot relate with! She is not of your race. Therefore, leave her alone. Your constant flirtation is a war crime. <laughs> Who is paying for all of this act as you know? So we cut to the mechanics of an adult relationship. To the mechanics of a broken one. <laughs> Which is uh, the family life of Chief O'Brien, Keiko, and their young daughter. Keiko's back. Bollocks. Keiko's the type of person who goes all the way back to Earth to get her hair cut. Because she's uh, she's come back with a tight bob. Miles, none of the hair salons on the station know how to cut my hair. (laughs) Ugh. Yeah, and and I guess, like, O'Brien doesn't have unsupervised visitation with his daughter because he's just trying to read her a a goodnight story, and Keiko's, like, just all over his shit, like, making sure he reads every word and does all the voices. It's one of the few cases where the the court has intervened within the context of an established marriage that hasn't even broken up, and... Stipulated that the man cannot see the children unsupervised. <laughs> I should ask my uh, my father in law, who is a 
family lawyer about uh, about what is going on in this marriage. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> For more on this relationship, we take it to family lawyer expert, name redacted. <laughs> Chief O'Brien's doing all the voices. I get the I get the vibe. He's a great dad. He's a better dad than he is a husband. In that, he's actually interested. And yeah. having a relationship with his daughter. Not for nothing, but like the the writers of this show have got to be really cheesed with what they've inherited from the TNG writers. W slash R slash T, the Miles and Keiko relationship. Because like the opening implications of this relationship were that like they were getting married and basically didn't even know anything about each other. And like this is a child born at phaser point, right? <laughs> they're 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 getting into this now and it is like it, it it is the plausible extension of the relationship that was written for these two characters. But but man, what a hole to dig yourself out of. And yet like it's the it's the softest loamiest hole to dig because there's no reason why they aren't tacking hard into an actual broken relationship that everyone can see. Like, it would be far more interesting to me as the viewer if if that were the truth of the matter. Right. O'Brien's reading Rumpelstiltskin to his daughter. He's doing all the voices. He's making the, the, the craggy faces. She's loving it. It's great. Uh, he's observing the rules of his family lawyer. <laughs> they tell her to go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> Miles and Keiko leave her fairly large quarters for a small child in the station. Like, she's kind of got a condo inside a condo, it seems like. This is this is what is dope about getting to the station early. Yeah, is, is like choice of quarters. Yeah, like the fucking property values are super low, and I'm sure that if you're a Starfleet, you're getting like kind of a, kind of like a stipend for obtaining housing, right? Like if you sure. live if you live within the proper Federation, you can live in whatever house the fuck you want, right? Because there's no money or anything, but. If you're living on Deep Space Nine, you've probably got to kind of like pay for things. So I bet I bet their stipend goes pretty far on Deep Space Nine. And not only that, it's a station with a capacity for thousands. And there's like 400 people living here right now. So Chief O'Brien, like one thing that he should be telling Keiko is like, listen, we live in a fucking space mansion right now. <laughs> it's true. Look at the, it looks look at like the a suite way suite our daughter lives in. It looks like a way better quarters than Cisco gets. Yeah, and and Cisco's sharing his quarters with like a 14-year-old boy who is totally girl crazy. He's say what you will about the relationship between uh Keiko and O'Brien, but at least their daughter isn't making romnog everywhere. <laughs> Anytime he leaves the cabin. Hey. So they bail out of the uh of the bedroom and like O'Brien makes a pass at his wife. Yeah, like an a obligatory out of, pass. Out of the frying pan into the fire type of bailing out of the bedroom where it's like we're going to go from one bedroom to another bedroom. 
Like, how would you like me to play Rumpelstiltskin all over that butt? <laughs> and uh, and Keiko's like, Miles, we only do it through a sheet. <laughs> Bollocks. Out wanders, uh, out wanders their kid, who is almost impossibly tiny, Ben. Like... <laughs> You would be hard-pressed to find a child actor who could verbalize who would be younger and tinier than this actor. Yeah. She's like, She's like, yeah, that uh, that guy you were making voices for, he's actually in there. <laughs> he's in my bed. <laughs> and O'Brien's like, all right, whatever. Stiltskin interrupt us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He goes in to check out the scene, and sure as shit, uh, the the Rumpelstiltskin himself appears. Well, don't look so distraught. I'm only here to offer you my services, if you should need them. Ben, if I'm writing a sci-fi show mm-hmm. in the Star Trek universe, yes, this is a place with myriad alien cultures, giant space battles, interpersonal drama. We're going right back to the fairy tale well, aren't we? We're going right back to the Robin Hoodification of Star Trek. Why are we doing this? Yeah, man, I am not a merry man. Me neither. At, at this, this point, at this I, point. It's, a, it's a total groan. It's yeah. a groan job. I think the writers wanted this to be a super creepy reveal, and somehow in the directing it became a real slide whistle, Adam. <laughs> I was reading the show notes for this one. And Kalamini almost walked. He was like, <laughs> he was like, I'm not doing a fucking leprechaun episode, by the way, uh, because I don't know if you've noticed, I'm Irish, and my people have fought for a long time against this fucking stereotype. And so the writers turned a leprechaun into Rumpelstiltskin, which is basically a leprechaun with a different name. Wow. So it was originally a leprechaun. It was. Dang. Yeah. I guess that was good enough to do the show. Here's the thing, like the Rumpelstiltskin character could be made dark, like in a in a leprechaun the movie type of way even. <laughs> like but there's just nothing threatening about him. Yeah, this is just a guy that would like otherwise be a big star on Reddit dot com slash r slash popping (laughs) one of the big big uh reasons for the quality of this episode is the splash page of writing credits ben this is always a bad sign yeah when you get three script credits and two story buys this is this is a screen filling number of creative credits here and i think it's one of the reasons why this episode is really a mess Writer salad is just as you know, it's got a very low batting average for good creative work. So what's going on here in fairly short order is that it's not just Rumple Stiltskin that's that's becoming real. It's imaginary characters are becoming real. Like baseball stars that Jake inserts bats into <laughs> in his Holosuite programs. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and and versions of Jedzia Dax that Bashir inserts bats into. <laughs> it's bats all the way down, Ben, and yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, 
So there's like a an oversexed Dax, a baseball star that came comes from the London Kings baseball club, and uh, and Rumpelstiltskin have all manifested themselves and. The uh, the senior staff are like WTF, mate? Like, where did we get all of these crazy characters from? Benjamin Shishko, <laughs> Major Kira, the rest of the senior staff. I'm registering my complaint in an official manner to state that my real doll business <laughs> is the foremost purveyor of fake characters turned real. <laughs> If you want to fantasize about boning down with somebody or something, you come to Kevin Xbridge first and foremost. I've said it time and time again, my real dolls are bat proof. (laughs) (laughs) The Kevin Xbridge bat shield of quality that you can depend on for durability. Our, our Buck Bokai famously took two Louisville sluggers <laughs> in one hole. Around the office, we called him... <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to say fuck Bokai? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin... <laughs> Oh, Kevin, you've never made us laugh that hard ever. (laughs) I'm crying. (laughs) I got a lot of tequila in me at this point, Adam. Oh, this is the dumbest episode we've ever done. I, Adam, I found my, I, I found myself falling to sleep watching this episode. I watched it at like 11 a.m. Like after getting a good time to watch a good night's sleep, and I was like unable to keep my eyes open. I was so bored. Well, that's that was before you knew of the existence of Fuck Bokai. <laughs> what are you doing now? So, Cisco orders a yellow alert. Uh, just, like... Against imaginations. This is the most insane thing. Like this is a this is an episode full of insanity. But like Odo's chasing llamas around. <laughs> Fuck Bokai is is wandering around wanting to play catch with Jake. He's rotating his bat with that wrist move that's just so <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> like the move, if you're Cisco, is to have everyone confined to quarters, right? That way you keep your sick fuck fantasy in your condo. No, the move is send the station into the wormhole and set self-destruct and fucking abandon ship. It is get the fuck out of here. Because I, I would say that the like the character that gets it the worst is is Bashir because his like sex fantasy is on full display to the woman who is the object of it. It is like I feel like every guy in the world has had like a crazy sexual imagination about somebody he knows and to have that just be on full display like to have her know about that is so fucking embarrassing it is and what's so fucking irritating about this episode is that dax alpha like does not 
is that Dax Prime doesn't make him stew in that embarrassment. You should feel something here, and and you just don't. Like you don't even get the you don't even get the uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man threat of like like that level of clear your mindness about <laughs> the people's imaginations because everything is so benign. It's fucking llamas in the promenade. I know. Give like, me a fucking it, break. It, if you, if you're gonna make. If you're going to make Julian Bashir... There should Bashir... be 30 Borg cubes outside of the station. Like, that should be the level of threat that the imagination conjures. Right, because Cisco is so is so damaged by that. But, like, but like if we're going to just do the thing with Bashir having his sexual imagination put on display for everybody, which is, like, a great idea from a storytelling point of view because Bashir has been established to be a total creepazoid. Yeah. Like, it's such a it's such a buzzkill for it to be Dax who is his is so wizened and jaded sex wise that she doesn't care about anything. Yeah, like 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 Dax who we've established really wants that Morn Hammer. <laughs> like like the the childish advances of a Julian Bashir mean nothing to her. Yeah. And so she's just like, hey, like, don't worry about it. Like, it's 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 totally cool that you want to bang me. But, like, the version of me that you want to bang is totally submissive. You should be ashamed of that. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, the, the version of Dax that Bashir is attracted to is the resistant one. So why would, in his fantasy, he have conjured up the submissive version? <laughs> like, how much more creepy would it be if the Daxes were indistinguishable? Right. The Dax that he conjures is dumb. And the Dax that he conjures has a morn hammer. <laughs> Sorry, Jadzia, I'm just really into pegging. It's just the it's just the ankylosaur tail sticking out. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a number of vignettes here. We go around the station and see the consequences of this. It's the llamas, it's quark. With a couple of car show girls on his arm. Booth babes for Quark. Quark is just like a an incorrigible misogynist. Oh, fun for him. Okay. This seems like a, a historical amount of butt and underboob shown on a Star Trek series, though. Yeah. Scene. Yeah, there's definitely a Dabo girl that has like four full inches of underboob. Yeah. That we've, yeah. cu- that we've seen a couple of times, and that is just like, holy mackerel, that's a lot of underboob. It truly is, and I mean, I understand why it is the way it is, but if Bashir's having fantasies about Dax, wouldn't you imagine that, you know, she's dressed in a similar way? I feel like like the Ajit Pai FCC would not let <laughs> that much underboob fly. <laughs> uh, you'd have to pay an extra 30 bucks. In Pie's future internet <laughs> to access that amount of underboob. <laughs> One of the things about uh, fuck Bakai is that <laughs> is that like you look at baseball players now, and these are people with like bodies. These are, these are the bodies of people who take their strength and conditioning seriously. They're like pro wrestler size sometimes. 
And yet, Fuck Makai has like sort of like the dumpy belly of a pro bowler. It's amazing. Future baseball has got to be awesome. It made me wonder if like if the versions of baseball players that Jake and and Ben Cisco are conjuring in the uh, in the hollow suites yeah. are like are like made fat and slow so that <laughs> they can play against them in a competitive manner. Our main fake characters are Rumpelstiltskin, Fuck Bakai, and Dax Beta. Sexy Poo Dax. And all of them are allowed at ops. Yeah. Also. They're they're just allowed to mill around on a, on the station's bridge, which is like Captain McCarr didn't allow, didn't allow anyone under eighteen on his bridge, let alone fucking Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> yeah, a guy with a black head so prominent that basically anybody in the room would want to go relieve the pressure on that thing. Oh man, I really wanted to squeeze. <laughs> I mean, talk about black alert. Almost done with this uh, Romulan ale, Ben. I'll have you know the niacin flush is in full bloom. Well, Adam, we've been recording for an episode and a half here, or an episode and three quarters, really, and I really need to take a pee. What about you? Uh, Yeah, I could do that. All right, let's do a little theme music interstitial and go drain the main vein. What do you say? All right, I'm going to hit pause. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm talking a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert Sort of a uh, the sidecar to the appearances of these of these fake people is that there is a subspace rift happening, Ben, out in space, and it's a real threat to the station, right? What does that mean? Whatever falls in there is just gone. They've been talking about kind of like ecological impact on the Denorius Belt, which is. Uh, you know, for those folks just tuning in where Deep Space Nine is located, of all of the warp signatures and starship traffic that the station being there has engendered. Like, normally, spaceships have avoided this part of space, and now spaceships are all up in it. And, uh, and so like, they've been, they've been like trying to scan and get a sense of like what the impact has has been like, like deep space nine has the benefit of, uh, of being grandfathered into the existing building code. So you don't have to do like a soils report if you want to do some modifications on deep space nine. Now, when your old warehouse is grandfathered into your district's building code, (laughs) You don't have to install all the fire extinguishers that you ordinarily would need to in a brand new build. I like to remove all fire extinguishers from the premises. <laughs> this staircase in a, in a new building would be considered a death trap, but in this building is considered a delightful, charming piece of culture and history. This building is located in close proximity to the Motown Records Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's where I like to go to embarrass myself <laughs> in front of my new neighbors. <laughs> so, the rift is the stave puffed marshmallow man. What did you do, Ray? Oh, shit. Everything that is going on is the 
physical manifestation of a thing that is being imagined by one of the characters. Like, there's fucking a snowstorm on the promenade and emus running around and... But like every like every character that has a name and lines has like a very specific idea that is being manifested in real life. It's like the Michael Crichton novel Sphere that was developed into the terrible movie Sphere. So you're saying the spacecraft crashed in the year 1709. So you're saying the spacecraft crashed 300 years ago? The titular Sphere. Yeah. They're they're able to manifest their their imaginations and unfortunately one of the eight writers of this episode didn't have the wherewithal to resist dumping the secret into the episode twenty minutes before the end because we get <laughs> we get kind of a McLaughlin group issue one of fuck Bakai Dax Beta <laughs> and Rumpelstiltskin where they're like boy I don't know if they're getting it. <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if they don't get what we're trying to do here like that little interstitial is so unnecessary and totally deflates whatever whatever level of crisis we're reaching in the show yeah i mean if you're gonna make every other character be a figment of somebody uh, of somebody's imagination you don't want to put the figments in cahoots with each other right. that's just a, be- like a general writing rule Especially because of what we get in the denouement at the end. <laughs> Did I say that right? Your French pronunciation is always really remarkable. Upsetting. <laughs> I, I, it's one of my worst impressions. I'm sure our, our friend uh, Manu Sadia, whose <laughs> name I am sure I'm mispronouncing, would make a lot of fun of you. I'm sure. So this rift is dropping bangers on the station, Ben, and it's becoming life-threatening. It's it's becoming life-threatening, and, like, everybody's kind of dealing it, with it in different ways. It, it is shaking the station to its core, but, like, Quark is obsessed with finding the, the babes that he lost track of. O'Brien is obsessed with figuring out how to, like, get rid of Rumpelstiltskin, who keeps offering to, like, lend a hand in the, like, station defense operation at the cost of Miles uh, Miles's wife and daughter, which uh, he really resists. Like, <laughs> surprisingly, Miles is not willing to give up Keiko. I've always wanted a daughter. Miles? You don't see the inner tension... But you know he's got to be considering that offer. <laughs> yeah, like he should turn to camera and then just like, you know, crossfade to all of the fights he's had on camera with Keiko, right? It's a clean slate. It's a real chance for him. He really believes in this marriage, Adam. No one else does. <laughs> the ultimate climax is when Cisco is like, everybody... Like this fucking this fucking rift that's gonna like blow up the system. All of these characters, they're all the same thing, man. It's all things that we imagined and made true in imagining them. So just believe that they are not true, man. Haven't you all seen Ghostbusters? <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> Don't yeah. be Ray. And so like it, there's a fun like around the horn where 
like everybody is like picking up on it at their own pace like oh we have to like we have to act like there's not magnetic waves rocking the station and believe it intrinsically and then there won't be magnetic rays rocking the station o'brien's got to pretend that keiko and his daughter aren't in the same room with him (laughs) and so they go and so like and so the station is saved the crisis is averted and uh so this goes like all right guys well uh that that was unsatisfying because we don't know why that happened. So I'll I'll be in my office. I'll be hanging out. Anyways, good job, team. <laughs> the goes couch back. of dissatisfaction is where I will be. Yeah. Which and I he, think is a new set for the show at this point, right? This this angle on the ready room? Yeah, it feels like, new to me. I feel like Cisco's office is so much bigger than Picard's, but they haven't really explored the space. Yeah. So Cisco sits down. He's like probably going to like, you know, throw a baseball against the wall and a butt plug lands in his hands and he turns and there's fuck Bokai. <laughs> fuck Bokai in his dumpy baseball uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but to He's fuck like- Bokai's credit as a guy wearing a dumpy baseball uniform. That the collar on that undershirt is tight. He does not have the Michael Jordan bacon effect happening. Fuck the guys! Like I can, I can guess why thirty people came to the last World Series ever. It's because all the players look like me. <laughs> not exactly an exhibition of uh, of humanity's finest in physicality. Yeah, and he's like, you guys like imagination that's like we have never we're aliens and we travel around and we've never heard of imagination it's amazing to us like it's like you believe it but you don't believe it and he's like what and he's like yeah yeah the premise of this episode cap uh, commander cisco is that we have been acting out the things you've been imagining and that's our way of exploring the universe and cisco's like uh how how like why does that work <laughs> like how do you how do you add that all up and uh and he's like well man like that's just how Buck we Buck roll he's like haven't you seen the tng episode imaginary friend <laughs> <laughs> i've got it on dvd here it's uh it's right below the Bajoran Visitors Bureau dvd that you have it's it's one of the worst episodes so just uh, just give me a sec- give me fifty six minutes. I'm going to show this to you, and then we can talk about it afterward. You have to drink every time the name Clara gets said. <laughs> ben, if you have the chance to make imaginary friend again on DS Nine, you got to do it right. Creatively, that's an itch you have to scratch. There was a real amazing scene in this episode where Bashir is like really strongly resisting imagines Dax's sexual advances like he he is he goes so far as to scan her with a tricorder to figure out why she wants to fuck him yeah <laughs> it me that's just like a an amazing amount of introspection from a creepy ass character right yeah i mean i wouldn't have expected that level of resistance from him like Bashir does not like 
Bashir has b- presented himself as a character to be all about just getting into that push, like, at all costs, right? I think what we know from this episode is that uh, maybe he's in it for the chase. He's Yeah, he's in, he likes the chase, but then once the chase is over, he wants that consent, man. Yeah. He doesn't want to fuck somebody that doesn't want to fuck. Yeah, he wants consensual Mornhammer. <laughs> if that brewery doesn't make a beer with that as the name, I'm going to be really I'm sick and tired of being on the outside of these decisions, Adam. Consensual Mornhammer needs to be everything from now on. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? (laughs) No! I like talking to you about it. Yeah, I mean... I hated the episode. This may go down as one of the best episodes of Greatest Gen or the worst episode of Greatest Gen. I I think that's something that we could never decide on its behalf. We may never know. I might die of alcohol poisoning tonight. I know I won't die of alcohol poisoning because I've I've been filled with 45% niacin. <laughs> I Adam I I went and took a pee earlier in the evening and I I came out of the bathroom and uh, was like, "Well, I guess I guess I'm done with my tequila, so I'll pour myself a glass of wine." And then I came back and found myself a a full glass of tequila that was poured and waiting for me. Oh, so boy. I have to finish a glass of tequila and then a glass of wine before my evening even winds down. <laughs> I don't know who's got the worst end of this, quite honestly. Yeah. Mm, I'm I'm full hiccup drunk. Oh, man. Do we have any priority one messages, Ben? I think we do, Adam. <laughs> Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, we have a priority one message of a commercial nature. Whoa! (laughs) The purchaser of which could never know the condition (laughs) the hosts are in. For its reading. <laughs> Let's this try to is give a him... caveat emptor type situation, you know? Let's try to give him his money's worth. This is a commercial message from Brad Abrahams. Let's see if I can get through this message. Could there be a man alive that has had more intergalactic sexual intercourse than William T. Riker? <laughs> yes. Yes, there is. David Huggins is a 74-year-old man in Hoboken, New Jersey that claims to have lost his virginity to an extraterrestrial woman among a hundred other encounters and chronicled it all in his surreal paintings. (laughs) The documentary... What is even happening right now, Adam? The documentary Love and Saucers is his story. If you like aliens, art, and interspecies romance... As I'm sure all good Greatest Gen fans do, check the film out. What? Stream it now, Ben. 
at loveandsaucers.com. Uh, it's streaming on multiple platforms as well as on DVD. Uh, you can at Love and Saucers on Twitter and find Love and Saucers on Facebook for more information. Wide release, Ben. Wow. It on, on December 12th. And so uh, this film has been out a while. Uh, I can imagine that it hasn't been forcibly removed from the internet <laughs> at this point, and I strongly encourage everyone to watch it. I think, uh, you know, sometimes you uh, sometimes you have to decide what to watch with your special person on a uh, on a night after work. I think I'm going to propose Love and Saucers tonight. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes. That sounds that sounds like the right move. Yeah. It's not just one sexual encounter, Ben. It's a (laughs) hundred. The man is 74. (laughs) I think it's fairly clear that he's packing some Mornhammer. I kind of wish I had the digital versatile disc copy of this. Yeah, this is something you want on your shelf. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a good conversation starter. Well, Adam, we have a second priority one message here. And it is from Space Comrades. And it is for... Ben and Adam. <laughs> that was a great line read, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it goes it goes like this, Adam. We are democratic socialists for fully automated luxury non-binary space communism. We fully support your podcast in its controversial stance in favor of empathy and goodness for our fellow person. We greatly look forward to your radical take on the episode where Quark's employees unionize solidarity forever in space. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you, space comrades, for that uh, space message to your space buddies, Ben and Adam. I am uh, grateful to our space comrades, but I will have them know that empathy... And caring about your fellow person is an apolitical idea. Yeah. So you, so get you with it. Think. And just be a good person, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Get, like first of all, be get empathic, life, jerks, and care for your pe- fellow person, and then have a political stance. Right. Not not the other way around. That's a good foundation. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm down with the uh, I'm down with the vibe that the space comrades are putting out. So uh, I'm a space comrade, and I vote. <laughs> that is a uh, that's a bumper sticker that is available now for sale on the Maximum Fun Store uh, at maxfunstore.com. Uh, if you have a commercial message. Or a personal message of a political or any other, any other nature, you can go to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron, where commercial messages are two hundred dollars and personal messages are one hundred dollars. Let me tell you, either of those prices are a great value because these messages reach tens and tens and thousands of people. <laughs> tens of people. So get on it. And uh, and all of them do a great service in supporting the production of our show, and we thank them. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in 
handcrafted stuff all the time. And they send in their books. They send in paintings. They send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Of course I did. Ben, it's Major Kira. I feel like she's yeah. been a Shimoda for me in a while. She has, she has basically the line that sums up the entire episode to me. Bangers are being dropped all around. She's having to hold on to her console. She's reading Space Oscillations, Ben. 
<laughs> and she and she basically turns to camera and says, "What the hell does that mean?" <laughs> in in like a moment of acting that you you see Nana Visitor through the character. She's right there. Yeah. Can't tell if it's the character or the actor, but either way, what the hell does this even mean? She's my drunk Shimoda. What about you, Ben? Man, uh <laughs> We have a we have a double Shimoda this episode, Adam. Because oh, hell yeah, when Commander Cisco like works out what's going on, he's doing the kind of round robin of each character checking in from their station at ops, and everybody really picks up on on what he's putting down, which is stop believing the thing we believe and believe the thing he's telling us to believe, and. Uh, Boy, Kira is not ready for that. <laughs> like, she takes she takes two and a half beats of of uh, of story for every half beat that everybody else takes because she's Kira, you know. Like she believes what she believes. She is she is so self confident and uh, and and yeah, like I I really fucking loved her her performance in that in that like final moment. She's like. Like no, fuck you. I'm telling you I'm telling you what I see on the screen, not what you want me to believe I see on the screen. I wonder if there's a range to the imagination being depicted here. Like could Kira's conjuring be like Mullabak is down on, on Bajor, like drowning in pizzas? <laughs> <laughs> like could shit be going on like back on Earth that O'Brien is like O'Brien has destroyed his mother-in-law's home that he just spent four <laughs> weeks in. Yeah, he's just What's he's the just rage on this. Yeah, O'Brien just pictures knife holes in the in the air mattress in his mother-in-law's <laughs> house. <laughs> like just a few tactical cut twos would be a lot of fun in this episode. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> ben, what do we have coming up on the next one? The next episode, Adam, is season one, episode 16, The Forsaken. Well, an alien entity wreaks havoc on the station's computer, the irrepressible Waxana Troy sets her sights for romance with Odo? You mean we've got a Waxana episode on Deep Space Nine, and she's looking for romance. She's, she's, she's trying to bang down with Odo. Odo's gonna fill her up. <laughs> Do you think Odo's gonna put a bucket on her head? <laughs> Man, like Odo's capacity as a coxman is really unparalleled because he can really fill every crack and crevice, right? He's a galaxy class stick man. <laughs> <laughs> The Man, likes Adam, of which I'm not sure Luxana has ever known. Adam, like, I'm picturing you, Mario, like, just punching fists through the blocks of brick on on the name of this episode, and you have just <laughs> shattered everyone, every block that has presented itself. It's, it's really remarkable. I'm the fiery Mario of episode titles <laughs> on this episode. Well, Adam, do you want to find out if we're going to be doing the same bullshit we've been doing for this episode on the next episode? 
Yeah, let's, let's see. Let's see, this one went so well. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. We got a seven, Adam, so that means we are not drinking for the next episode. We're going to be doing it stone cold sober. Wow. Well, uh, hopefully people have not gotten used to us in this way to the degree that that would be a disappointment for them. I don't know if this show is sustainable if we were to do this like this every time. No, we would die. Phil would have to send me a lot more Romulan Ale energy drink, that's for sure. Yeah. We can't rely on our listeners to be that generous, so uh, we will have to rely on them to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate if they like the show and they want to support it financially. And MaxFunStore.com if they want to buy swag from the show. Get them t-shirts and pint glasses and what have you. Yeah, I mean, not for nothing. Supporting the show gets you a couple of uh, bonus episodes at this point. You get your Crimson Tide episode, which was a uh, a almost 90-minute podcast thrill ride from me and you. And you also get your Gremlins holiday episode. If you're feeling uh, still a little bit of the holiday spirit... And our, uh, Star- and our Star Trek Generations episode, which we recorded live, I think in San Francisco. It's all in the donor feed. You got yeah. some, uh, some great extras there. So uh, those are our thank yous for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. Indeed. Adam, <laughs> people that want to talk to us online go on Twitter, and they use the hashtag GreatestGen, and uh, they... Tweet at you at Cut for Time and me at Benjamin R A H R. R is my is my uh, you know kind of my middle name. Your name de plume. My name de plume. <laughs> my dear <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they also go on the Facebook group. Greatest Gen Facebook group is a, a real fun hang. Uh, it's the- basically the only safe place on the internet anymore. And, and the only safe place on Reddit is the uh, is the Greatest Gen subreddit. Uh, well, there's actually two safe places on Reddit. There's Greatest Gen subreddit and the Maximum Fun subreddit. And also R Poppers. <laughs> yeah, nothing safer than R, R slash popping. It's the only way I can get off these days. Um, <laughs> we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music. And Adam Ragusea, who is is uh, responsible for all of the original music you hear on the program. If you're upset with us about the quality of this episode, I would also say that that's Adam Ragusea's fault. Yeah. yeah. I'm laying that at his feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can email him or just tweet at him. I'd strongly encourage you to do that. Mm -hmm. All of our letters go to the goose. Yeah, all of our letters go to the goose. The goose sacrificed his ability to not take responsibility for our show when he stopped doing the pub podcast. So uh, this is all on him at this point. Boy, quitting sure looks like a great option at this point, doesn't it, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which I'm sure will show some and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine which will get filled up by Odo sexually (laughs) 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.